Welcome along to another Creatrium podcast. This was an absolute delight uh, as I caught up with Dr. Rory Meredith, who I first met as a teenage up-and-coming uh, musician back in the uh, back in the in the nineties, a long, long time ago. And it was just great to catch up with him again. And one of the first things I wanted to ask Rory was, well, the kind of people that he and the band Ether would have met over the years. Did he meet anyone famous? Yes, we met we met many many famous people. Um... I was never really one to get, or probably initially I was, that's a lie. I was going to say I was never really one to get sort of overawed by meeting anyone. Mm. Um, but I guess the first time when we were signed, actually, a few months later, we went to this big EMI conference and, and, and yeah, there, was, there were lots and lots of all of the acts across EMI at the time. So, mm. um, and I, I was a little bit overawed. It's like suddenly you come sort of from a working, you know, you go out every Saturday with your mates down in the local pub and then suddenly you're sort of having a drink and, and it sounds mad now, but, you know, um, I guess they're not, from a musical level, nothing to admire, but just like eternal, right? So eternal, right, the city yeah, across, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. and then you had, um, mm-hmm. so Louise Nerdin, eternal, uh, eternal, um, who else was there? Sean Maguire, who, who, who just released stuff on Parlophone. Um, I think, mm. yeah, Kylie. And we met, we met lots and lots of people. Luther Did Vandross was there. Kylie? What's that? Did you hang out with Kylie? Only for a little bit, but yeah, she, <laughs> she's, yeah she's just so uh, perfectly petite. Yeah, but um, yeah. Luther Vandross was there. Wow. And there was just, uh, yeah, um, Patrick Moore, the astronomer, was there. Okay, you know, so yeah. People you yeah, yeah, I met him in the toilets. That was funny. Yeah. So you know, the, so lots of things like that. Initially, after sort of going from June, where you know you're this unknown band, you signed to EMI. I think that was probably around September, October that year. And then suddenly you're in a room with these other people, and that's a bit of bit. Yeah. You know, it is for any anybody really. It's a bit overwhelming at first, but but then you know we ended up meeting lots of great people. Um, probably Mick Jagger was one of the most. Wow. What was he like? Lovely. Really yeah. lovely, yeah. And we met him in a recording studio, actually. And um, oh. and again, I used to keep myself to myself a lot, so I didn't ever go and bother those people. I, I'd see them there. Brett, you know, Brett. Brett was always like the you know Mr. Socialite. Yeah, uh, yeah. So he he would always be you know, can I have an autograph for my for my sister and picture? Um, and he would do a lot of the talking in fairness, and and then yeah. he'd come back. But we we get to meet loads and loads of lovely people. Oh. Um, yeah, then they, they were good times, but. Lots of good stories that you get out out of those times, you yeah, know. But, yeah. But um, you've had an amazing life, though, Rory. Really, I mean, you've done some incredible things. Yeah, I, 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 I consider my, I consider myself lucky because I, yeah. I think you know you, there's elements of luck to everything, and hmm. I do. I'm a really lucky person, and I, I, I in, in every way, you know, from even my family life, uh, everything is good. Um, I've got nothing to complain about, even though you can sort of look at it as. Um, I probably would would say I never achieved the things that I would have liked to achieve in that particular, you know, t- at that time. Hmm. But but it's for the best, you know, because I I can't grumble with what I've got. Like I'm I'm yeah. just super happy, and I and I don't know having when I came out of that. It, it, so for four years we were signed to EMI and Parlophone. We made hmm. one album that came out in '98. Uh, again, you know, some of those songs I'd written when I was 17 or 18, they were yeah. no, you know, they're not, not stuff that I listen to now or I'm super proud of. It's just it's of, of a time. And mm. then we made another album after that, which never came out. Um, oh. some, some great stuff on that um, from an the artist. label didn't see a single or something. Is that old, that old chestnut? 
it was basically I, I, me being my rebellious self after making an album of, of the first album, which I considered there was probably five or six, you know, uh, singles on that. And they did release about four or five actually. Um, yeah. And then, so I felt then, well, now I'm going to do something that I want to do, you know, in my rebellious nature and, and just did whatever I wanted to do. And I ended up yeah. with a great album that sat on the shelf for like, oh, forever. Dear. so that's yeah. cool. But, but I wrote some great stuff then and grew up a lot and, and then made an album that yeah never got released um, and we left um, and then that was that really in terms of that band I, I just walked away from it um, after living with all of those guys for it is like being married you know when you're in a band and you're doing that sort of stuff and you're traveling mm. Mm. you're traveling everywhere you're very rarely home and you live with those people so mm. when it all kind of goes wrong um, and there is no avenue left to pursue as it is sometimes in a marriage, you just, I just walked away and I was like, I just didn't want to be in a band anymore. And yeah. that's, and I let, so that was probably about 2000, 2001. And I just, I knew, I knew I didn't want to be in a band. And you still keep in touch with the guys now though, do you? Um, I, I know, I, to be honest, no, I don't. Um, oh. I, Gareth, um, I haven't spoken to Gareth probably since the early 2000s. No, I, I don't know what Gareth is doing anymore. What's his surname? Um, Driscoll. He's absolutely okay. fine. You know, yeah, yeah, the course. best bass player I mean I've ever seen yeah. in my life. He was wow. super, you know, super, yeah. super talented. Um, but yeah, we'd no, have to, it's just we'd have to reunite you. We'll do some sort of emotional thing where we get you back together in a candlelit restaurant somewhere. I don't think that's going to happen, Steve. I've got to say, but but I mean, it's not because um, of any. I mean, Brett. Yeah, Brett went on um, teaching, opened a drum shop. I I, yeah. I I I have been in touch with Brett, but. Yeah only through social media you know we don't really yeah. meet up or anything and it's a strange one and i guess the nature of the band that we had which was really a band of super fantastic musicians they were just the best yeah. that i could find in, in the area but the, but we weren't as in the same way as the stereophonics then we didn't go to school together we weren't childhood friends yeah, yeah. you know and we didn't i guess have that that type of super bond uh, it was a professional working relationship. And when that relationship didn't work out anymore, then it was just, you know, I, I, I couldn't handle that anymore really. Yeah. And I just wanted Fair to enough. move on and experience other things. And yeah, you, as yeah. you do, if you, you know, you, you, as, as you do, if you get married and get divorced and you find someone else, it's just, that's the way it goes. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you a couple of quick ones. Um, firstly, um, what, this is dependent, you know, particularly of what, depending on what kind of what you do, because it's what you're about. Do you think the um, um, uh, meaningfulness of musicianship within popular music matters at all now? Like when you were playing, you said you put that great band together and you wanted the best musicians you could get. Does it even matter now? Probably not. I mean, I mean, and yet when you look at, you know, the, eras change and music has changed so much and it was only actually when teaching um through teaching i learned more about what what was happening at that time mm. than i did when i was in it um so just to back you, on it yeah just to give you a sort of quick example of it um in 2005 so we fly out to la and i'm working with um tony ferguson who had signed bush and no doubt um, and he's the guy basically who pulled us out there. Warner Chapel. I was still signed to Warner Chapel up until 2009. So I, they they co-funded that trip. But Interscope was super interested. And Jimmy Iovine, who signed Justin Timberlake and the Black Eyed Peas, basically give Tony the okay, right? Get these. I was working on a different project then with the singer. So I'll get these two kids over. 
I still class myself as kids, even though I was in my 30s. Right? But even now my wife says, you're not a kid. I'm going, no, I know, but I feel like one. <laughs> so like, anyway, right, so right. they said, get these kids over. Um, yeah. I was 33 at the time, and, and right. Catherine, who I was working with, was 30. So it was like, this was our last shot, you know, we're going over to LA. And anyway, so we land, I think, the first day, and um, they're going to set up, over the course of two months, us working with different writer-producer teams. So I'd never experienced that on that level before. I, I worked with lots of other writers, oh, yeah. and, but, yeah. but to be farmed around really the cream of the crop in LA and to pop in and write songs with this team and that team, it was just like absolutely mind blowing. So we land on the first day and Tony goes, well, I've got to go to, to a conference. He said, there's this thing uh, called MySpace. If you, you know, oh, this, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. this yeah. is going back, right? Yeah, there's this yeah, thing yeah. called MySpace and I don't really know what it is. So there's the guy who started MySpace is giving a conference to the music industry. He said, you know, kids are just making web pages or whatever, uploading music, blah, 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 blah. Hmm. So you walk around Sunset Boulevard for, the, for a couple of hours. I'll go to this conference and then, I'll, uh, you know, we'll meet up afterwards and we'll start planning stuff. So myself and Catherine walk up and down Sunset Boulevard, pop in a couple of shops, and then he comes out of this conference. So and I asked him, I said, well, what, what was it about then, Tony? And he said, uh, I said, like, I haven't got a clue. I don't know what it's about. So he said, uh, at the end of the day, these kids, they're just making websites. I don't even know. So, so this was June, 90, not 2005. So I came back after this experience, been out there, done all this work, and, and I started teaching the September of that year. So this is wow. three, months, three months later, right? So get this part-time job, do a bit of lecturing, walk into a classroom full of 16, 17-year-old kids, and they're all on my space. Right. And I go, and I go, right, I've just come from LA like two months ago. Mm. And they, the, 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 ex, the leading senior executive like of, of Universal was telling me about this thing, but I hadn't seen it. I said, so what is it? So the kids now in Cloyna Pier in Tonopandi yeah. yeah, yeah. start telling me what MySpace is and what they are doing on it. Mm. And I was like, whoa, like, you know, these kids can tell me more than the executive of, of Interscope at the time. So that was like a really an eye opener. Yeah, yeah. The fact is that the top brass had no idea mm. what young people were doing. That's a really interesting point you're making there, isn't it? I mean, that's quite a profound thing you're saying there. That actual snapshot that what you just what you just said is where the people are kind of you know if you like those people who consider themselves or are perceived as being the powers that be actually have no clue what's going on. It's the youngsters who actually have it. Yeah, yeah. And that was like the, the best example I, I've ever seen of that happening. Whereby, so go roll forward about five years and I'm teaching kind of now um, to other 16, 17 and 18 year old kids what has happened in the music industry since 2000 or 2001. And where are we now? Like 2010, 12, 13. Hmm. And you look at, you analyze all the data from, you know, the, the, the collapse in the recorded music market you know in in revenue from recorded music and you look at the the collapse of like near 70 percent globally and then you think then you look at 2005 where you are on that curve mm. and you go whoa like we were like kind of it was it would really started happening then mm. um and that's where i was at that point in my career and move forward seven years and we're right down here and you can see you can see how the landscape lies really for that investment in mm. new young create and, and and one thing that i don't think anybody ever mentions is that we've probably lost an entire generation of artists in that time 
people who probably would have made it, who would have been the next David Bowie or would have been, but they, but because the investment in young, you know, talented kids never happened, hmm. you've lost them and you don't even know it, you know, because they're probably doing something else now. Yeah. And that's, that's the way it is. It's sad. I think that's going on all the time, actually. <laughs> even yeah. more now maybe yep. and then i mean my space was kind of like uh, the kind of digital equivalent of cool Cymru, really it was there it was massive it was gone Bang. <laughs> you know yeah, it's just funny know. how these things kind of spin around isn't it yeah yeah um, yeah i wanted to ask you one more thing and that is about because um i mean i've got this podcast series called creatrium and um uh, I, I speak to people associated with the university of south wales predominantly but it could be alumni could be professors could be you know whoever really current students whatever really but um this idea of creativity and what kind of creativity means to you and how it how it inhabits what you do in your kind of you know your day job if you like the stuff you do with in, in sort of academia and teaching what does creativity how does it feed through what you do oh that's a tough one steve i mean the thing is when you're a creative person and you're able to be creative sometimes you don't really think about it a lot and i think that this is a that's why when when you come to teach whatever the creative discipline is, it takes a lot of thought for you to try and explain to people um, how something that you may do innately, um, how could you break that thing down to into something that somebody else can understand. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I'm good at doing that on a musical level in terms of my own creativity or what it means to me. uh, It's almost like, um, I wouldn't say it applies to any particular discipline, like being creative. I wouldn't say that, you know, so being creative musically or being creative artistically um, through drawing or or animation or through anything really, whether you're building something, you know, um, is this is something, it's all, whether it's like a force or something, I don't even know what it is. I'm getting like sort of Star Wars Jedi type stuff now, but, but it's something that you can kind of just, I think that thing of nurturing creativity in young people and, and not losing that through the journey of, of through education, you know, and I don't know, you know, there's, that's a bigger conversation again, but yeah. enabling, I try my best to enable my children to be creative all As the you time said, with the artwork. Yeah. To draw, yeah. Yeah. to build things. And I think I'm hoping, you know, looking at sort of this new curriculum for Wales, which is, which is planned and, yeah. you know, and my daughter will actually be probably the first, year group um in secondary school to sort of come out of that at, t- at 2026 um looking at sort of the expressive arts and the way that hopefully artistic and creative endeavors during school will be supported and nurtured more rather than pushed to the side you know and dropped out of certain school choices and stuff as has happened probably in the last 10 years um through other initiatives you know whether they are deemed more important but i think those things putting an emphasis back on those things is a is a really really positive thing because creativity doesn't really apply to any one thing it's just a mindset and if you if it's in your if it's in your mindset in order to think creative creatively about anything even if you're a manager or a course leader or anything you know a, a senior leader if you can't think creatively about how to problem solve and critically think about something then then you're then it's to your detriment i think so being a creative person i feel that i'm lucky in that i've you know that attention to detail looking at things from different points of view and perspectives they they're all just like part of your nature as as they would be with you you know because any creative person is that way inclined yeah. um 
as opposed sometimes maybe if you think of I say this to my to my little boy actually is like he so for example yeah, he likes drawing but he also loves maths and I said that's really great you know because you should you should develop your scientific skills and you think of somebody like Michelangelo and he could he was an engineer and he was that's a mathematician and he and he was creative so yeah. having a, all of those parts of your toolbox I mean, I think they're super important. And, and I just, yeah, I, I don't, in terms of what it, how it applies to me, I don't know. It's very difficult to explain from your own perspective because you kind of innately do them because that has been your learning journey as you've grown up. Yeah. So, um, but it, it's, how do, you, how do you describe thinking creatively to your, to your learners? Well, I, I, I'll come at that a slightly different way. Um, I'm actually, I'm trying, just trying to think while, it, while we're talking about the last time I would have interviewed you, blimey, I think it would, it would have been, it would have been the early to mid nineties, wouldn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's really great to catch up. It is great. Um, yeah. Um, I think uh, I'd, I'd come at that idea of creativity in a, a slightly different way. The creatrium is a portmanteau of creativity and the atrium, you know, which is where, where yeah. I'm kind of based. So I think I kind of use my creative mind to, I suppose, to investigate creativity in others. And I don't mean that as a cop. I mean it's generally, generally, genuinely what I do. So my first, the first ever episode was a guy called Professor Joseph Sabalo. I don't know if you've met, but he's a phenomenal musician, a beautiful singer, and he's a professor of storytelling. So he tells stories through song. So yep. it's just really interesting to investigate kind of uh, creativity. The other thing is, um, over the last few years, I've been teaching at the university for eighteen years now. But I've, I've put put together this thing, which I've always threatened to do, which is um, like. Uh, several hour long kind of sessions about creativity but i've always parked them up i've built up all this stuff mm. but i've never felt that the time to kind of impose i'm not really sure how much the students would buy into it maybe for the same reason that you're saying as creativity is something that we we do but we don't consider and reflect on it's just something that we do so we sit back and try and investigate it i don't know whether it works as a as a kind of a exchange of uh, creative um and learning experience I mean, you know, it's it's a there's elements of experimentation in in and obviously there are strategies I think that you can employ to be more creative. And mm. I do think you know there are there are certainly tools to help you be creative yeah, and to sure. be creative. But um, but in terms of you know, as a musician, then if I if I talk about sort of, or as a composer or a writer yeah, in that yeah. respect, I mean, um, I think being creative. It's just something that I don't think about. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, so well, most people don't, do they? No, no. But, no. but uh, I suppose the, other, the, the reverse of it, it's a bit of a strange analogy, but I remember I was working at a radio station years back, I ended up managing a station, whatever. And um, we'd, we'd have these kind of um, soulless um, corporate automatons that come down and try and kind of, you know, um, recreate what you're doing. And I remember them saying to me one day about this, this particular presenter. It was quite a popular presenter. But, um, it, oh, can you, um, can you give him some voice training? You know, can you give him some voice training? I said, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to chop his head off and put another one on? You know, he is who he is. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. you can't, you can't uh, create, you know, unless you stick another head on somebody, they're going to be that person, you yeah, know? Yeah. And uh, like with, I think if somebody, I think everyone has creativity within in them. Some people are more creative than others. Um, it doesn't come naturally to people. You can't, you can't make someone, you know, uh, inverted commas, creative you know can you no no i, th I think um i think sometimes as well though that 
in order to try and generate, because I guess this is part of our work really at the university where you're trying to inspire and motivate and, and, and facilitate creativity in others. Um, and, and sometimes I think one of the best ways of doing that is imposing restrictions on them. Yeah. And that sounds a bit mad, but, but if you tell them what they can't do and force them to think about the things that they can do and how to do those then, then rather than creativity almost being like this incredibly blank canvas, and I always find I used to work yeah, best is, like this. It is. Yeah. It's, it's, if, if I walked into a room with and went to songwrite with other people, yeah. and I and we had no idea what we were going to write, yeah, it would generally be a longer process in terms of finding a pathway than it is if we went into that room and had a discussion about what we needed to do and what everybody's preferences were. In that in that respect, you have the vision, you have the target of where you're heading, and it's really easy to be creative then because you you can you totally get it, and everybody's on the like the same wavelength. So there are ways, particularly I like that idea of of creativity not from an individual standpoint but from a collaborative standpoint, which is really yes. when it gets yeah. it's when it gets fun mm-hmm. because there's some of the most fun I ever had as a songwriter was with other people and those are the best memories I ever have of songwriting was when other yeah. people were there yeah. rather than for many years I wrote on my own um, and whereas that is um, from a control freak standpoint that's really you know self-satisfying because you can decide on every single thing I, I don't really have that many fond memories of, of that I have the fond memories of collaboratively working with other people and, and sharing that vision with them about what it is we're aiming at, and then you could work so fast in, in that capacity. So when you're in sort of, um, I guess, in an education setting where time is limited, you're only with people for certain amounts of time, imposing restrictions on them and focusing their creativity in a direction usually generates better results. And, and, and um, But yeah, that, that, I guess, that doesn't really say how you make them more creative, but it gives them a vision. Yeah. And you have, you have, I think people have, if they have a vision and they have an understanding of where they're heading, hmm. They, they they can they can work much better in that in that capacity. Well, seeing you, seeing you said you didn't think you could answer that question, that was a great answer, by the way. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. No, no. Well, that's that's why it's such. A, I think it's. I think it is a really. It's almost a conundrum, isn't it? Really. Yeah. Yeah. But um, Rory, been absolutely fantastic uh, to catch up with you. Anyway, you know, really, really interesting. Um, thanks very much. Stay safe. Keep well and look after yourself. And hopefully, we'll catch up uh, physically at some point in the near future. Yeah. Look after yourself, Steve. Thanks a lot. Thank take, you. Man. Take care. Stay yeah. safe. Tonight. Thank you. Bye bye.